Hello, I'm M. And I'm Eyes. And welcome to our brand new podcast, Tipples and Tolkien. Let us be your guides as we return to Middle Earth this fall with the premiere of the new Amazon show, Rings of Power. We'll discuss episodes with you, tell tales of old, and even bring you a brand new tipple recipe every week to enjoy. You can find us on all major podcast platforms, as well as Twitter, which is at Tipples Tolkien, that is T-I-P-P-L-E-S t-o-l-k-i-e-n and instagram at tipples and tolkien so cozy up pour yourself a drink and come on a journey with us this fall on tipples and tolkien previously on second edition one so say we all so say we all comment it en francais so say we all these pretzels are making me thirsty seinfeld The Cylons were created by man. They rebelled. They evolved. They look and feel human. Some are programmed to think they are human. Many copies. And they have a plan. Action stations. Action stations. Set condition one throughout the podcast. Welcome, listener, to Set Condition One, a Night Shift Radio original. I'm your host, SC1 Actual Caleb, and joining me on the CIC is the XO Kitsy. Was Ty even in this one? I don't remember him having any lines. I don't think he was. I feel like they gave him a break on this one. <laughs> Well, uh, I'll take a break on this one, too. So I'll see you all next week. (laughs) (laughs) And the president of the podcast in the 12 colonies, Andrea. Are are you Dr. Cottle? She, Rosalind doesn't say it, but it was the first thing I could think of that somebody says in the episode. So I just went with that. (laughs) That's fair. So this has been a a, a weird couple of weeks for for timeliness of episodes. It's been a a bit of a Mm -hmm. recurring theme throughout the show. We've mentioned, like, (laughs) it's been a week, all right. Uh, the like the the show somehow manages to be like like so relevant now, uh, even though it was written and released you know a decade and a half ago. And so all of this has happened before, <laughs> and all of this will happen again. You know, we we talked last week about delaying recording because uh, we didn't want to talk about in an episode of an armed insurrection and hostages when that was literally happening in our in our uh capital uh and then this week which where we're recording in in real time back to back with that uh is (laughs) it's happening on a day uh when there's uh uh, not necessarily a day but at a time when there's a lot of talk about inept leaders Mm. uh and (laughs) and how uh, how much trouble they can cause uh and here we are Previously on Battlestar Galactica. I think we all knew this was coming. I think we've, we've seen just a, a series, a string of, of, of bad leaders on the, uh, the Battlestar Pegasus, and that's caused us uh, nothing but pain. Oh, um, I thought you were talking about the opening scene with, uh, oh, with uh, Lee and Dee. <laughs> I mean, I think we saw that coming, too. <laughs> I know, 
that's why I thought that's what I meant. That's what I thought you were talking about. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we had we had Kane. We had uh, oh man, I'm I'm drawing a blank on his name, which is a bummer Fisk. because until he Fisk, thank you, until he turned out to be a uh, Fisky. Uh, <laughs> Boomtown. <laughs> uh, That's turn- the next commander for Pegasus. <laughs> <laughs> I love my crew. <laughs> I'm a good commander. <laughs> Sometimes I question my decisions. <laughs> I'm feeling insecure. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you know, Fisk, who, uh, who I loved until, uh, you know, found out that he was, uh, dealing with the, the black market on the side and now, uh, Garner, who, uh, just has no place on the, the CSE, doesn't belong. And, uh, I feel like we'll, we'll, we'll get to why, but he's one of those, uh, kind of classic character tropes of like someone who was really good at what he did. Uh, but had no place in leadership, which uh, mm-hmm. not only do we see in uh, in cinema, but also in the workplace very frequently happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I've I've worked we, with and for plenty of those. Yeah, he he's one of those guys where like I was really really good at this one thing, and now everything I do is that one thing to me. Right. I approach every problem like it's this very specific thing I'm good at, mm-hmm. and that doesn't work. Yeah, it it doesn't. He should be trying to get back to his son, who he left at home. He was on his vacation because oh. he's Peter McAllister, the father oh, from Home Alone. Oh, Holy shit, is he really? He's John yes. Hurt, yeah. Yep. He, I didn't. I didn't realize that. That's amazing. Home Alone Six, <laughs> lost on Caprica. <laughs> My family's on news. Cloud Nine, and I'm in New New Yorkica. I got nothing. <laughs> Wait, wait a minute. So does that mean that somewhere on Caprica, Kevin McAllister is <laughs> fucking setting booby traps in a house for Cylon for fucking Centurions? Yes. The hey. fucking Centurions walk in and slip on the micro machines. <laughs> We're going to get you, kid. <laughs> oh, my God. They'd this be like, is the crossover I need. Yeah, they'd be like the clanky bandits, I think, would be there. The clank. There we go. Because they clank. Uh, so as uh, sadgeezer.com is uh, so wise to point out to us, this episode begins in space. <laughs> <laughs> what would we do without them, huh? <laughs> Where else would it begin? Milwaukee. <laughs> Uh, so we, we see some uh, some raptors on training missions. Raptors? Yeah, raptors uh, on training missions. And uh, they're in a, a, a conveniently located uh, cloud of space dust and debris and whatnot that interferes with all their sensors. So, you know, the perfect place to be out flying training missions. Definitely, <laughs> definitely want to do that. Uh, Listen, in- Caleb, at some point you got to train in real world scenarios you're never going to learn. Or, hear me out, the entire fleet has faster-than-light drives and can leave this area <laughs> and go train somewhere else. <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is, like, if, you all, if, if all you learn how to do is fly under perfect conditions, then when you encounter non-perfect conditions and you 
do not have the option of leaving, you're fucked. But more often than not, you have the option of leaving. <laughs> Caleb's uh, smooth seas do not make skillful sailors. No, I agree. But they're not in the water. They're in space, <laughs> and they have faster than light drives and can jump away. <laughs> But that's not the point. Uh, <laughs> these uh, these chips are, are getting a kind of a, a scrambled and garbled uh, transmission that sounds like it might be a distress signal. And uh, one by one, they they keep going after it, and they just uh, they just start disappearing, mm-hmm. presumed dead. It's the Bermuda Space Triangle. <laughs> <laughs> it's an octagon, but yeah. Um. But in our next scene, a couple of pilots are banging on the locked hatch while Lee and Dee are inside. Uh, and, I, and I quote from this transcript, finishing up sex. <laughs> That's almost better than this episode starts in space. <laughs> That's how a human would say that for sure. <laughs> I love it. Apollo's like, go hit the shower. And like the the one of the pilots' names is Duck. It's like, go hit the showers, Duck. We'll be gone by the time you get back. And of course, we we get a, a brief moment of seeing that Lee still has his uh, his his chest wound. Uh, he has not miraculously healed from that yet, uh, and it is causing him pain. But you know, not so much pain that uh, a little sexual healing can't help. He also does mention. Uh, kind of offhandedly in his conversation with D that it's been a month since uh, the events on cloud nine. So a month for them, a month has passed for us. It's been mere minutes. Yes. For them, a month is, we, that's a nice uh, rare glimpse into like the passage of time on here. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. We only get it in snippets and I feel like we either are seeing events that are happening back to back to back or like weeks have passed. Yeah. Yeah. I have a question about, Lee and D's thing, um, mm-hmm. which is, is it, uh, when two people love each other very what much is sex? <laughs> or don't <laughs> No, Um, my question is about, uh, fraternizing amongst the people on the fleet. Like it was a big secret, big deal when it was Tyrrell and, uh, Sharon, right? Um, yeah. is that because they worked more directly? Like, cause he, he, it's not like he was her sur- sup- like direct superior. Yeah, I don't. That's a good point because, like, while while you could argue that like the chief and Boomer worked in the same like department, if you will, like he didn't report to her. Um, but like you know, D doesn't report to Lee, but Lee's also often working in the CIC. Yeah, and so, he's. I mean, if we want to talk, I mean, the issue right with. Like the HR issue is the the power differential or dynamic, and yeah. Lee's like second, basically second in command. Like, well, especially because as D points out, he got promoted to major in that that's month. That's right. Yeah, exactly. So, so he's now even more. I mean, uh, they went on just that, like a just a out in the open date a month ago. Yeah. So I don't know. I wonder I wonder if they've dropped the whole like fraternizing thing because uh as Adama later points out in this episode, uh if we, the human race is gonna survive, we've gotta start making babies. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh to to bring up the quote Laura Roslin said way back in the beginning mm-hmm. of the series. So maybe maybe they've kind of realized like, you know, this is probably gonna be life for a while. So Yeah. Yeah. You know, go 
Go get it. <laughs> well, and so, it's also worth noting that Lee has been assigned to the Pegasus, so they no longer work directly together, even though he continues to be her superior officer and always oh, that's was. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, so maybe they have... I mean, I, I think it's more what, what Kitsy's saying, that the restrictions have probably been eased because uh, at this point, like, telling people not to uh, to get it done, uh, one, isn't going to happen. Right, like, right. Yeah. You're not going to maintain that kind of strict order uh, at this point. And two, uh, you know, a little procreation goes a long way when your, your species <laughs> is... Uh, <laughs> as the old saying goes, <laughs> well, as, as Adama says, again, later in the episode, that number doesn't go up very often. Mm-hmm. No. No, it does not. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we mentioned that uh, Apollo got uh, promoted to major, but uh, uh, D mentioned, like, points out, like, he doesn't seem particularly happy about that. Yeah. And he just shrugs it off. He's like, it doesn't mean much, but I, I think there's more to that. Do you now? I do. Okay. We'll get there. Okay. No. We'll get there. He's building suspense. Oh. <laughs> Is that what he's what doing? We, what will he say next? <laughs> uh, we we jump to the uh, the the hangar deck on Galactica, where uh, the 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 knuckle draggers uh, <laughs> have been uh, offloading a, a cargo container, and they stopped because they saw some movement. Ooh. They got spooked. It's the ghost. <laughs> I want to point out how much. This cargo container looks like the fucking cargo container the Velociraptor is in yes. at the beginning of Jurassic Park. Except, except, it's octagonal. <laughs> is it for real? It's not, it's not boxed <laughs> off. It's octagonal. <laughs> That's so funny. I didn't notice that. I was... <laughs> I love this show so much. It's so stupid sometimes. It's just, what a choice. What a waste of space. You can't stack octagons easily. That's just dumb. Well, I guess like a honeycomb. Yeah. Two, four, there's sixagons. You can totally I know it's not sixagon, but I like to say sixagon. Um, sixagon. Sixagon. Uh, yeah, Is that where you're from? <laughs> from Sixagon, exactly. It does look like the the thing from Jurassic Park. Also, I couldn't yeah. decide what I wanted to be in there. Um, and I thought I was... I mean, I very much wanted to be a Velociraptor. <laughs> <laughs> Clever girl. Um, boy, would that made the show a whole <laughs> new fucking <laughs> enterprise. <laughs> oh, shit, there's dinosaurs now? <laughs> hey, you know what? For, like... For this era of sci-fi, that wouldn't have been that weird. <laughs> no. Like y'all remember that Doctor Who episode where there were dinosaurs on a spaceship? Oh, it was awesome. Wasn't it literally called Dinosaurs on a Spaceship? I yes, think it was. It yeah. was. Dinosaurs on a spaceship. Matt Smith got so excited about that. Oh, God. He did. Um so it you know, the the whole uh deck crew is scared to go inside because you know, there was some movement. Uh, and so Tyrell's It like, might be a Velociraptor. They don't know. They don't know. <laughs> Tyrell, they don't they don't know that it's not. Tyrell grabs the lights like fuck it, I'm gonna I'm gonna go in. And they're like, we don't know what's in there. Like you shouldn't shouldn't you wait? Callie's like, you know, she's scared for him. And he's just like Let's just get this over with. Maybe it is a Velociraptor. Maybe I can be done with this fucking shit. 
<laughs> Look, if it's if it's something that's gonna kill me and it's my time, let's just fucking get it over with. <laughs> you know, if I'm gonna die, it might as well be to a velociraptor, not some not some fucking Cylon. <laughs> that's what I've always said. <laughs> that's how I want to go. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, we we learn that it is a a woman, and she uh, she asks if she is in fact on the Galactica, and Tiro confirms, and she asks if he's Doctor Cottle, which. Seems Does he look like a doctor? Also, like, why would you assume the first person you encounter would be the person you're looking for? Also, before we get too far ahead of this, the way they did that reveal, I thought I was supposed to know who that was at first. And I thought for a second it was Callie, like that we were finding out that she yeah. was a Cylon and that's how. Yeah. And so that I was, was a little disappointed when it was some rando. It, it, it did kind of look like Callie a little bit, didn't it? Mm-hmm. That was my first thought when they just did like the close up on her like half shadowy yeah. face. And like, shit, do I not remember... I wonder if that was intentional. I think it had to have been. Was that a hint from the show that Callie's a Cylon? Callon? A Callon? Siley? Siley? Oh, Siley. Siley Myra? Siley. God damn it. It's Henderson. Her last name's Henderson. Callie Henderson? That's her name? That's her name. Callie Henderson. Oh. What if it had been a Sasquatch? A bandersnatch. In the crate? In, in the crate. In the, in the crate? Yeah. Get out of here. Harry and the Henderson. Because there's just one. Oh! It's just, just, just Kelly. Kelly Henderson. Kelly. She, she, she takes him in and they become best friends. And then, they go off on zany adventures together. And I just want this show to take a complete fucking left turn and be about something else completely mm-hmm. so bad. I don't know why. I just, I, I feel like that would be the funniest fucking thing in the world to build up this whole like huge, like dramatic world. And then all of a sudden the show just pivots. Do you think they have cryptids in, in space? Like, do you think? Almost certainly. That's There's cool. oh, space. Wait, hold on. Are you, are you talking about like, do Caleb, they have I'm so sorry for- I did this. I'm so sorry. Are you talking about do they do they have cryptids like back on Caprica and Geminon and, yeah. and Toron and stuff or like are there actual like space cryptids? They're like, ooh, watch out! Behind that star is the fucking space whale. Um, both, I think. I, I definitely think both are true. Oh, I love that. I mean, to be fair, Cylons were kind of cryptids for a while until they showed up. To be fair, were they? They made sure. them. Okay. That's what cryptids mean, right? Yep. You got it. <laughs> That's exactly what that means. But meanwhile, we're out there losing more pilots on these training missions. Yeah. And yeah, the, each each, uh, each new group thinks that they got to go rescue the one before. And it uh, turns out uh, I don't I don't think any of them are particularly equipped to do that. How many do how many do we lose? Uh there's at least two raptors lost here. Because uh, mm-hmm. the ones in the, the very beginning that are following what they think is a, a distress signal and they get lost. Uh, and then this crew, uh, which happens, right. it's uh, Buster and Shark, who are the uh, the pilots that were uh, that were, were trying to, to bust in on, on D and Lee. Uh, they, uh, they also hear the transmission and think maybe it's their lost pilots and that they need to go after it. We're all shaking our heads, listeners. Yeah. I was hoping that would come through in the silence. <laughs> in the silence? Um, what? Where? <laughs> Did we Have we made the Sound of Cylons joke yet? I think so. Oh, okay. Well. I know that like, it definitely has been made. I don't know if it's been made on the podcast or just like in Slack or what. Oh, okay. Well, here it is now as well. Um, I think we made it when we, when we got introduced to Simon. Oh. Because I think I made it. Oh. A, 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 <laughs> Very good. Some, some like... Simon and Starbuckle joke or something like that. 
Cylon and Garfunkel. Cylon and Garfunkel. Yes, thank you. <laughs> That's from Futurama. Um, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> really? Yeah, uh, yeah. The episode "Bending in the Wind," where Bender joins Beck's band. Yep. Uh-huh. They they play a festival, and one of the opening acts is uh, Cylon and Garfunkel. Yes. And it's like they're playing, um, like, "Are you going to Scarborough uh-huh. Fair?" And then the song was. Like, Parsley, sage, rosemary, <laughs> and thyme. <laughs> oh, I'm excited to watch that again and like it more because now all I care about is Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Wow. And uh, there's some so there's some tension on the on the the Battlestar Pegasus, aka the the beast, the beast. <laughs> the beast. Which I get that that was one of my least favorite parts of this episode was them determining that the two battle stars had nicknames the beast and the bucket. I do like the bucket for the Galactica though. (laughs) I think it fits. Just just stupid like bucket. The bucket. I love it when D tells Lee that that it's the bucket. He's like the bucket. (laughs) He's he's like offended. Has has anyone told Ty? I feel like. Ty would be real mad. Oh, yeah. The, the bucket! bucket. <laughs> I'll give them a bucket! <laughs> a fracking bucket. <laughs> oh. What the hell? They think they can give our ship a nickname? <laughs> <laughs> Lee's been trying to get them to call it the Shaggin' Wagon this whole time, and it just isn't catching no on. No one's into it. Shaggin' Wagon. The dude who's, um, oh God, uh, hold on, I wrote his name down so I wouldn't forget. Mr. Hoshi, speaking of the mm. Shaggin' Wagon, has Lloyd mm-hmm. Christmas bangs. He's got the dumbest, like, why is that the haircut he's got? <laughs> he's got that stupid, dumb and dumber haircut. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of Hoshi, Hoshi's on the uh, the Pegasus CIC, and uh, that's where we next find uh, Adama, uh, Major Adama, and uh, Starbuck. Uh, as they encounter uh, an angry Commander Garner, who is uh, informing uh, the the two pilots that uh, they've been losing uh, pilots on training missions, mm-hmm. which he immediately blames on Kara, who is just hearing about this now for the first time because no one will fucking talk to her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is apparently her fault, even though, as we find out later, he specifically directed them <laughs> not to talk to her and tell her what's going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah he's, he you know, if if you were on the flight deck and monitoring your Raptors the the way any training officer worth a damn would have done, you would have known that four of our pilots are missing. And uh, first of all, why is she training the Raptor pilots? Yeah, she's a Viper pilot. She's Good a Viper point. Pilot. Um, I mean, she can Wait, actually hold on. First of all, how dare you? First, right, of all, let's start there. <laughs> she she can pilot a Raptor. We've seen that, but like that's not her. Well, anyone can pilot a Raptor. It's uh, basically a fucking minivan. It's a minivan. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like she's she's the training pilot, and so unless she's like actively engaged with these specific training missions, then like her like I I don't know. I guess it kind of has a point. Like, why isn't she monitoring? Yeah, uh, the training missions, but also. Like, why isn't anyone telling her that something went wrong with the training missions? Yeah. Especially something that huge. That's a big fucking deal. 
Yeah, it's not like, oh, like one of the, the guys like botched his landing and like clipped a wing or something like that. Like, no, like they're just two two raptors gone. Two raptors, four pilots. And they're so, afraid to tell her because sometimes when she drinks, she gets mad. <laughs> and so she uh she goes storming down into the uh the, the officer's bathroom or whatever and <laughs> uh Starts uh, starts giving him what for. She's like, you know, we lose two Raptors on a training mission, and I only find out when the commander throws it in my face, and nobody answers. <laughs> <laughs> Don't all speak at once. <laughs> I love this moment. We're like, sir, it's been made clear that discussing flight deck situations with anyone outside Pegasus crew is not allowed. Sorry, sir. And like, every, like, it gets me every time. Just like sticks under my skin. I'm like, what? Why the fuck would they make that distinction? Right. Yeah. Like, you have one uh, admiral over both of these ships. The crews have been intermingled. Uh, anyone who is assigned to this ship is on that crew. Mm-hmm. And fuck you and your your lingering loyalty to Admiral Kane or whatever the hell you've got going on here. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Not to mention, like, there are two fucking battle stars left in the entire human race and they're trying to survive. Like, you'd think sharing information would be, like, fucking number one priority. You'd yeah, think. you would think. I feel like you, there, there's absolutely been a problem with leadership on this on this Battlestar, uh, 100%. But the rank and file on this ship are just shitty. <laughs> also. Well, bad leaders breed bad uh, uh, leadies. <laughs> yep. Led? 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 <laughs> Underlings. Oh, there you go. And so, of course, uh, while this is happening, uh, Garner's up on the CIC, uh, laying it all on Lee that uh, everything is is Kara's fault, and uh, we need to get rid of her. And you know, Paula's like, "Well, I mean, she's a hell of a Viper pilot." <laughs> and it's like, so I should cut her some slack because she's good in the cockpit. Is that what you're saying? I mean, yeah. Like, like yeah, listen, man, kinda. you can't even keep track of your own son. You keep going on vacation without him. <laughs> well, then he then he does the the classic like, no one ever gave us any slack in the engine room, you know. Like everything has to be precise at the precise time and the precise way, and you know no one can make a mistake, and everything has to be perfect all the time. And we walked uphill both ways to school, and we were happy to do it. Shoeboxes like, on our feet. Uh, everything is done in the proper way at the proper time in the proper order or there'd be no power, no lights, no hot showers for your fly boys. <laughs> you, know, you know, Major, I think some of the people around here could learn a thing or two from the snipes. I'm like, okay. Why are they called snipes? Boil snipes, Ellie? I don't know. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I don't think anyone knows what it means. Like they say it all the time and I have no fucking clue. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, you looked like you wanted to chime in, and you're just like, nah. nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then we get a kind of an abrupt turn of events to uh, meeting uh, Rosalind's new uh, chief aide. She's Tori. not Billy. She's not Billy. She's not. No one can replace Billy. <laughs> not in Andrew's heart. <laughs> not in my <laughs> butt. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Is that where you? Is that where you keep your heart? <laughs> That's where I keep Billy, I guess. 
<laughs> Get Billy in your butt? I think Got that's him. what I was implying there. That's it's more than I wanted to know. <laughs> We're all friends here. And uh, just in case uh, everyone out there has forgotten, there's a, there's a presidential election coming up. Oh, that's right. In in the show, like we already had ours. Yeah, we already had ours, and it, it went super smooth, and there were <laughs> so no smooth. problems whatsoever. And uh, off without a hitch. <laughs> and so uh, you, Tori's trying to to help uh, Rosalind get a get a handle on uh, some campaigning, and uh, like what uh, what the issues are, and who uh, who's mad at her this time, <laughs> and uh, who's enthusiastically uh, endorsing her, uh, and whatnot. And uh, meanwhile, there's a, uh, a shadowy meeting between our good friend Tom Zarek <laughs> and Count Baltar. <laughs> <laughs> He's not a count, but he should be. He should be. Maybe he will be. People are getting promotions left and right, apparently. What, like, what if Caprica really did have like some sort of legacy, like feudal system, and he had a title, <laughs> like, like how England still has a queen? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a Viscount. I would love that because, you know, he would insist on being called Dr. Count Baltar. <laughs> or would it be Count Dr. Baltar? I think Depends. The Count. <laughs> you may call me the Count or Dr. Baltar <laughs> or Count Dr. Baltar <laughs> or Count Gaius if you're nasty. <laughs> uh I am Count Dr. Gaius Baltar, mm-hmm. Esquire. Uh, Esquire. God damn it. DDS. DDS. He's a dentist? Listen, uh, who knows? <laughs> no one's sure what kind of doctor he is. Today he was a population specialist. Yeah, I said we actually don't know, know what, his, what his doctorate was in, so like, yeah, he could be a dentist. Didn't we recently confirm it was an artificial intelligence, like a few episodes ago? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. That's- that's why he's but so good like, at Cylons, because they're AI. He's a dual major. He's a dual major. <laughs> Artificial intelligence and dentistry. <laughs> this is why it the started. humanities are important. You need that liberal arts education, you know? Someone had to design the Cylons' teeth. His startup was trying to uh, to bring machine learning to dentistry. <laughs> and that's how Cylons got made. But I think at this point, Zarek has recognized that he can't necessarily go for another overt bid for the, the presidency, because you know, he's he's not as, as popular as... Uh, uh, he'd like to be, um, but he can he can kind of pull the strings uh, behind the scenes with some some flattery and and cheap parlor tricks, yeah. Wait, which no, seems to be just, his strength, you know, overall. So yeah, he's 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 got this. He's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Zarek Zarek has the the charisma to to operate in the spotlight, but doesn't like he he gets more done behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. He's a manipulator. He is. He is. Manipulator. And, uh, he manages. No. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> he manages to uh, to convince uh, Baltar that uh, he would be the the perfect person to run against uh, Rosalind in this presidency. I mean, he's practically already president. What with being vice president and all. <laughs> I mean, when you put I mean, it yeah, that that's way. almost president. <laughs> that's what vice means. It means almost. <laughs> almost. Yes. And of course, uh, Baltar is a little bit skeptical. It's like, in, and you'll just. You'll just step aside, Tom. Like that's that's what'll happen. You just you won't you won't have anything to do with this when uh, when you've gotten me. So because was it not uh, Zarek who originally convinced him to? Uh, no, it was it was it was Rosalind. He ran against, that's right. That's no, right. he ran against Zarek for vice president. It was Rosalind. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. But but Zarek says like you know I just you know I I you know I want a leader with experience who will you know remember who his friends are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like clearly he's he's uh, thinking like oh if I get, if I you know get Baltar in there then I can pull strings behind the curtain and you know get things done my way. What do we think Zarek's end goal is though? What is he trying to overthrow the government, kill all humans? Oh, because Zarek's a Cylon. I didn't say that. Okay. I did not say it either. Is he a pyramid player? Zarek? No, he's not a pyramid player. Okay. Just just checking. He could have been. It's true. He could have played some uh some, some pyramid back on Geminon or wherever the hell he's from. Just like pickup games, some intramural <laughs> pyramid. Sagittarian. He was from Sagittarian. Yeah. I could I could see him playing some some street pyramid. Yeah. Well we'll never know. Mm-mm. And therefore, I can continue believing I'm right. So there's a plan to try to go after the uh, the missing pilots. Uh, and it's based primarily on some octagonal printouts of some, <laughs> like, choppy, broken up uh, transcripts from uh, what they think might be the distress, distress calls. And there's some, some great detective work of trying to, <laughs> like, piece together, like, what did they actually say? Because, yeah, so it's it's typed out in this this, like... You know, like they, they they typed out whatever syllables they could get, and then like dot dot dot, and then Eve, the next thing. Distress. And there was Eve. Bearing, before reek shuns emerge. Read. So they were in distress. <laughs> yeah, Starbuck. Good, like great yeah, detective. What's this Eve? What's this Eve? They were receive. So receive. Receive. What I love about this scene is this is how uh, and. I'll preface by saying I love ghost hunting shows. Love them. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But this is how anytime that they're like listening back to, to EVP sessions and they're like, I heard it. I heard it. He said demon. Like this is how that, that comes off to me. Uh, mm-hmm. cause, you know, they've got these like tiny little like pieces and syllables, like very few complete words. And someone's like, they, they give a bearing requesting instructions. It's an emergency. Can you read? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, bro, I totally heard that too. <laughs> oh my God, I think I won the ghost lottery. <laughs> we should start a ghost hunting show. I'll be too spooked all the time, but, but I, that's fine. Don't you tempt me. <laughs> it's a ghost hunting podcast. Like, y'all should have seen it. It was real spooky. (laughs) (laughs) Trust us. It was fucking wild. I was like, oh, no. And they were like, boo. (laughs) I kind of want to start. I know know we couldn't do this because of copyright issues, but I would love to start a podcast called Ghostbusters. And it's just us disproving fucking ghost hunting shows. (laughs) I don't know. Sometimes I believe them. Y'all seen that one at Eastern State anyway? Anyway, I want to go to there. Oh, it's, it's near my house. Yeah, when you when it's safe to travel and stuff, we can take a daytime tour. It's cool. Yes, or a nighttime tour. Ooh, yeah, Ooh, those are too scary. I, I won't go to that one. If you come here in October, it's a haunted house. Yeah, terror behind the walls—they call it. The wild thing about ghost hunting shows or like haunted house or anything like that, where like it's like it's got to be at night. I'm like, but I'm like. A real haunting happens during the day, too. Yeah, like, when yeah. I'm daytime ghosts. Ghosts don't care what time it is. If there's evidence to be caught, you can catch it without fucking jank-ass night vision cameras that makes everything <laughs> foggy. But there's a side plot in this uh, in this episode 
that is important, but I hate it. Uh, where we have Raya, the uh, the young woman that was found in the, mm-hmm. the shipping mm-hmm. container, uh, which we never confirmed there wasn't a Velociraptor in. That's uh, that's point. a good point. <laughs> uh, and uh, she's pregnant, and she's Gemini's, and uh, under Gemini's law, uh, not only is terminating a pregnancy illegal, uh, but apparently a young woman is a slave to her parents, essentially. Like, Whoa. property of her parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, they literally say pro- she's property of her parents under Gemini's law. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's super fucked up, and I hate it. And I don't think I'd like to live on Geminon. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, they, um, earlier when uh, Tori was discussing uh, where uh, Rosalind's support lies, she mentioned something about having strong support from the religious fanatics on Geminon. Uh, or whatnot. I don't remember. That might not be the the exact language we choose, but something along that, those lines. Uh, so that was setting us up for like, oh, it's going to be really important that they're they're hella religious. Mm-hmm. Uh, Although I do want to point out that like, Rosin leans so heavy on that like, you know, I'm the dying leader from the scriptures of Pythia, and I'm going to lead us to Earth and blah blah blah. And then they found Kobol, and then she got Kobol. cured, and now that's just like. No one, oh, no God. one mentions it anymore. Now that she's not dying, it's like, mm. well, just forget that, all, all that. <laughs> I mean, well, Elosha was writing the scripture of Pythia as she went. So, like, since there's no one left to keep writing it, like, they don't know what happens next. <laughs> Cliffhanger point. forever. Elosha was Gemini from Geminon, right? I believe yeah. so. Yeah. But yeah. So this creates this whole sub conflict where they have to decide the fate of this this woman and whether or not she'll be. You know, allowed to to stay on Galactica. Whether Cottle is allowed to assist her, uh, which gives Cottle one of his greatest moments, where the yes. the commander is uh, sorry, the admiral is ob- objecting to this, and you know, basically telling him, like you you need to go back to your parents. Like we can't keep you here. And Cottle in the background is like, she could probably just request asylum. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, oh yeah, yeah, what he said, that thing. I yeah, want that. I want that asylum thing that that guy said. <laughs> the look uh, on and Adama's Adama face. Gives him a look he's, is, he's like, God damn it, Cottle. <laughs> Cottle. Uh, I do. I do love though. Like I love Doc Cottle because, like, he's. He's a gruff, hard ass, but like I think he's also one of the most compassionate people in the yeah. fleet because, like, mm-hmm. you know, for him, it's like he treats everyone, no matter what they need or what they are, or what their you know affiliations are. Like his job is to help people who need medical help. Full stop. Mm-hmm. And I, like I love that he doesn't compromise on that. Like he's not going to sit there and, and like debate. Like, should this woman get an abortion or not? He's like, I'm a doctor. She needs medical help. I'm going to give her that help. Um, you know, and he, he even says, like, because uh, Donna asks, like, what, you know, what's up with this? And he's like, sometimes I get a note. Someone's coming. They come. I treat them. I, I send them back. I don't ask questions. And it's like, you know, I just I, I like that. He's just like, you know, I'm I'm going to just kind of skirt skirt the law a little bit here and, and do what's what I believe is the right thing to help mm-hmm. people. And I, I think that's really cool. Yeah. He's a great doctor and he takes the oath seriously. And I think that's, I don't know. I think that's all you can ask. Right. And it's hard yeah. for, I think it, it, make, it makes up for his, his really blunt bedside manner. <laughs> so what if he ashes his cigarette into a body every, every now and then? <laughs> And we get a, a, a really interesting uh, point of contention between uh, Porter, who's the 
the Gemini, Gemini's uh, representative to the, the Quorum of Twelve, who like tells us, you know, under Gemini law, the girl's still property of their parents, and they can deal with her once she's safely on the ship. Uh, and Rosalind points out, like, you know, under colonial law, before the attacks, uh, abortion was legal, and so it still is today. And we, we get a, a little glimpse into uh, uh, Rosalind's stance and her, her viewpoints and, like, where she's taken a stand in the past. And, like, you know, she says, hey, I, I fought for a woman's control, right, to control her body my entire career. Like, we're not having this discussion. Like, I, yeah. I am not going to decide with this. Uh, and I do you know, love that. But wasn't she the Secretary of Education? <laughs> She was, but that doesn't necessarily mean that she wasn't, like, advocating or, like, yeah, Just like that there. she said my entire career, though, as, like, like well, I also as, have fought for women's right to control their bodies, but I wouldn't say my entire career because I, that's not, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm, maybe I'm being nitpicky, but I just thought that was an odd choice of words. You know, she was obviously working with President Adar and trying to convince him of, you know, like, push policy in, in directions that, you know, were the way she wanted them to go. So I can totally see, even as the secretary of education for her, like talking to people who make these decisions to be like, listen, women need the right to do what they need to do with their own bodies. And so even that's, even though it's not her job to make that legislation, I can see her in government, like influencing people and talking to people and being like, Hey, this is the right thing to do. So. Yeah. We also don't really have a good sense of how long her political career has been. Like, did she hold any positions before Secretary of Education? Yeah. Uh, things like that. I mean, she gets jabs a lot. Like, oh, that school teacher or there's a kindergarten teacher in the presidency, blah, blah, blah. Uh, which, like, fuck it. You can do a lot worse than a teacher. Yeah, you don't even need to be a teacher, apparently, to be the Secretary of Education. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> You don't even need to know how education works. Uh, you know, you could do a lot worse than a teacher, especially everyone's acting like fucking children like they do on this show half the time. Mm-hmm. Well, like, and very back in the in the beginning, uh, Andrea, when she sent that guy like down to like inventory of the cargo bay, <laughs> that's right. you know, when you were like, "Go clap the erasers," yeah. right? Uh-huh. Like, that's a total teacher move. Exactly. Like, that is, you know, I think I think I that think was so long ago. I-, I know this is probably a very controversial statement among this group of people that I'm speaking to right now on this podcast, but I think more teachers should be in government. <laughs> I think you. I think that would make uh, make the government run better. I think hey. better better decisions would get made if we had more teachers in government. I agree. I certainly agree. And also scientists, teachers, and scientists should be like at least half the government. Mm-hmm. What about science teachers? Get them out of here. Yeah, no. <laughs> you, one or the other. Pick one. You can't be both. Middle in between bullshit. (laughs) Flip flopper. Don't be greedy. I hate you both sometimes. (laughs) But we love you so much. Oh, hey, I've uh, I've just received word that we have multiple greatest contacts, so we're going to go ahead and jump to a safer location. Uh, it'll take us roughly the amount of time it'll take you to listen to this ad, and then we will talk more about what happens this week on Battlestar Galactica. So stay tuned on your, on your wireless. Don't turn it off. 
I'm Michael Fight, and I'm here with a brand new show called Fight Jokes About Everything. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we're going to bring up a brand new topic, something that's hot on the internet because, because I live on the internet. And we're going to take those silly things and we're going to joke about them and we're going to, you know, talk a little bit about the history of them and talk about why the internet is such a terrible but wonderful place. So please join me every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for this brand new Night Shift Radio original. For more information, go to nightshiftradio.com and of course, subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Mindless monsters, once thought human, fill the streets. A corrupt government threatens the lives of the people it's meant to serve. This sounds a little too familiar. Is this real life? Or a video game you can play for fun? Shift Talk Q, Night Shift Radio's newest original production, is your LGBTQ centered source for creative and thoughtful discussions and news at the intersection of gaming, diversity, and community. You can expect unboxings, game reviews, let's plays, community nights, celebrations of what video games are doing right, critical conversations about where the gaming industry needs to do better, and so much more. Be the first to know when new episodes drop by following us on Twitter and Instagram at NSRShiftAltQ. And on Twitch at ShiftAltQ to join the community. For more information about Shift-Alt-Q, visit nightshiftradio.com. Hi, I'm Sarah Sweeney, host of the new podcast, Latchkey Kids. Right now, we're all at home left to our own devices without any adult supervision. Each weekish, I'll talk to my fellow Latchkey Kids about what they're up to, how they're wasting time, and, because I can, make them perform a dramatic reading of a TV show theme song. So join me wherever you get your podcasts. Previously on Set Condition One. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'm just going to recap the first half of this episode. Okay, so we started off with uh, me being confused about whether Caleb was talking about what was happening on Pegasus or with D and Lee banging. Are we still talking about that episode? Holy shit. That that is still a while. It's been a long one. You know what? We don't have time for a recap. We got to keep going. <laughs> we got to wrap this up. Uh, I made I made a promise to Caleb that we wouldn't get off track and keep the recording going to 11 p.m. And God damn it, I'm going to commit to that. I don't yeah. know if he meant 11 p.m. Eastern or, or Central, but you, you know what? Uh, either way, <laughs> either, either way. one's a problem. So, yes. <laughs> uh, so Starbuck, uh, as she is wants to do, like she she spends some time puzzling through the problem, and she she comes up with uh, what she thinks is probably the the answer to this uh, mystery distress call, uh, and she thinks it's Cylon Trap, mm-hmm. and she thinks that the the first ship fell for that, and then uh, radioed back uh, that they were going after, thus uh, creating kind of a second uh, mystery distress call. Uh, which I feel like there's there's a, a movie or a stove somewhere that, that sets a precedent for this that I really like. Anyway, uh, it, it just kind of creates what could essentially be a loop of them just like constantly falling for this and and sending more uh, into the into the, the the cloud. It's a trap. And she's like, you know, here's the the plan that we need to do. We need to send uh, a a recon mission of five raptors. Just jump in. Get a look around, see if we can find our pilots. Jump out, um, you know. Don't don't try to go in full force because it's probably a trap. And as soon as Garner hears that, he's like, "That sounds like a Kara Thrace plan. We're not going to do that. We're going to jump everyone in and get our pilots back." I'm like, okay, this is going to go real well. If I were Starbuck, I'd be like, "Look, I know you hate me and I hate you, 
but I have been right about every hunch I have had about these Cylons for the last season and a half, and you're just <laughs> going to be wrong. Like, I don't... It, it was just... It was only a month ago that Scar... They fell for Scar's fucking trick that she knew about. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't... Mm-hmm. Starbuck doesn't also, make good choices about the humans <laughs> that she's around, you know? Like, she really fucked up the hostage situation. But when it comes to the Cylons, she she knows her shit. Also, it's worth pointing out that as of now, as far as we know, she's the only person who has been completely inside of a Cylon. <laughs> well, Baltar. hey No, no, she's inside him. That's probably true. <laughs> Which we get, we get her. She comes back this week, too. We haven't seen her in a little while. Oh, no, I meant it like a sex thing. But she's in his head. <laughs> yeah, I get it. So they're not actually having sex. <laughs> just fucking lab tables. I can't. Um, so. Anyway. But yeah, so uh, <laughs> Apollo you know, brings this this plan to uh, to Garner, and Garner's like, is that your plan or is that, uh, is that Thrace's theory? And Leah's like, you know, I, I think that I believe that this is a trap, and, you know, we... Uh, you know, Cylons have been known to lure ships into traps using fake distress cells. You know, have you considered that? Which I guess we're getting a little bit of uh, insight into Cylon tactics. This is a thing that they're known to do, even though we haven't necessarily seen them do it here. Uh, and you know, well, they probably read it on the ladies' manifesto from the last episode, and they're like, <laughs> yeah. "Oh yeah, that's a thing they do." <laughs> and uh, Garner's like, "You know, we have considered that. It's a scenario we don't think likely." And, <laughs> um, and Tom is like. All right, uh, th- so the, this is where the, the transcript gets a little confusing because it's a conversation between uh, Commander Garner, Admiral Adama, and Major Adama. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, you know, Admiral Adama hears this, you know, we, we don't think it's likely, and is like, Major, do you concur? And uh, Paul's like, Sir, Captain Thrace and I are of the opinion that the first two raptors may very well have been lured away by such, just such a trick. And Garner's like, well, I don't share that opinion. And like, really just like making his stand here. Mm-hmm. And uh, wisely, the elder Adama's like, do the recon mission, three escort, two rescue, you have your orders. And Garner's like, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Hangs up the phone. Send them all in. <laughs> Jump the ship. Leroy. <sighs> <laughs> and then uh, Baltar hangs out in the morgue for a moment. <laughs> With with six, I don't know. It's weird. There's yeah. there's no reason for it. He just likes to lurk. Ah, uh, and Rosalind, uh, she she bows to the pressure. And uh, Kitsy, you had mentioned earlier that uh, Admiral Adama revisits her her statement from the the beginning uh, mm-hmm. of the of the series. You know, we, you know, we need to start having babies. And uh, in one of the, the rare moments where I, I struggle and find myself disagreeing with Adama, he kind of throws that back at her. You know, she's, mm-hmm. she's trying to make this stand like, you know, this is what I believe in and this is right. And I agree with her. And he's like, but you said yourself we need to have babies. And, you know, that number's not going up very often. I'm like, this is true. But is this a reason to impinge on people's freedoms and self-governance? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a fucked up, especially like the parallel with the the episode of the farm where they're not yeah 
you know, they're not hooking people up to machines and forcing them to to become pregnant, but it's still, you know, we're yeah. another, sh- you know. They're instance. still forcing the outcome. It, it, it's a real ethical pickle because I can see Adama's point. Like, these are unprecedented times. The human race is closer to extinction than it's ever been. And the only way we're going to fix this is uh, by making more people. And the only way to make more people is to make more people. (laughs) And not making more people is counterproductive to that. And so, like, I see that point and that logic. I still don't think, even in that situation, that taking away someone's right is justified. No, no, of course not. Like... And one of the things that's that's hardest to deal with, uh, from my perspective watching this, is when Rosalind decides that she needs to compromise on her own values and makes this address to the the fleet uh-huh. to say, like, you know, we you know we need to survive as a civilization. This is like this is a really hard choice, but like we're going to criminalize this. You know, there will be penalties for anyone uh, seeking to interfere with the birth of a child. One, she just did that, like. Two episodes ago, uh, uh-huh. but, but two, you know, they 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 make this a criminal matter, a but don't point. offer any other solution. There's no like, you know, but in light of this, like we're gonna set up a, a board uh, of like you know social services or something like that to help with child placement, with surrogacy programs, with adoption, anything and to yeah. make this like not just about forcing women to carry to term, but about taking care of the, the, the life that they're saying is, is well, so important. That's what's crazy, too. They're in no position to have pregnant people in the fleet right now anyway. Like, you, you might want to put that on hold until you guys... Where mm-hmm. are these kids going? Yeah. yeah. There's no, yeah. like, elementary school on cloud nine. What are we... Oh, Keiko's yeah, running but... that. Wait, no, that's Next Generation. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now, now two... To Rosalind's credit, uh, she she declares that the this particular uh, Gemini's girl will not be mm-hmm. uh, prosecuted because, as she points out, um, she did her thing before the the law was uh, or the the the, the um, executive order or whatever was uh, was set in place. Yep. So, I mean. Small points for that, but I got to say, this was a real disappointing move by Rosalind. Except it is a good example of, like, the only reason she does that is because she met that girl, and that girl seems, is is like a a real person to her. Now, you know, when she makes that law, things are, it's for hypothetical people that she is never likely to interact with or encounter. So it's very easy to say that though for her, I wouldn't, I shouldn't say it's easy to say that. Um, No, you could tell she was struggling when she was saying it. Yeah. um, What's her name? Mary McDonald. She's so good in that scene. You can see, yeah. How conflicted she is to have to do that. She's yeah. She's a wonderful actor. Mm -hmm. But the, the, um, the, the interesting thing though, is that she bowed to that pressure from the Geminis because there's an election coming up and she wants to win that election. And so, and so here we are much like in fucking now times (laughs) in real world place that we live, Mm -hmm. uh, people are voting on a single issue, uh, for who should be president. 
and it's a fucking stupid issue that shouldn't yeah. even be a fucking issue. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. And, and I, there's even a scene where she's like going over demographic information. And like, you can tell she's like calculating, like what move do I have to make to stay in power to, to win the next election? And she determines that this is the one. And I think that sucks. Yeah. So, and then I'm, just, I'm, I'm bummed out. Yeah. Just like that, that subplot is wrapped up and, here we are. Garner's made his decision to disobey orders and jumps uh, the the Pegasus and all, all of her uh, fighter pilots and whatnot to the uh, the location. They send out a couple of scouts. They do find their missing raptors. The pilots are hella dead. So dead. Super but dead. Everything works out, and they they get the the ships back, and they leave, and and everything's fine. No, it's a trap surprise. <laughs> Multiple Dreda's contacts. <laughs> three. Three fucking base stars. Oh, my God. It, like, Dummies. It, it wasn't even just like, you know, like, oh, here's like, you know, with Scar. Like, oh, boom, surprise, motherfucker. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot you up. Like, no. Three fucking base stars launching nukes uh, and, and raiders. And it becomes a, a full-on firefight. Uh, and so, of course, uh, immediately, <laughs> Lee is like, what have you done? Like you had your your orders, and like I disagree with it. I'm not going to leave my men out there to die. And uh, Lee attempts to uh, relieve Garner of duty uh, at the same time that Garner attempts to relieve Lee of duty, and puts one of the Marines in a, a difficult situation. Uh, I love when they do that. When it's like it's like two people give the Marine an order, and he's he's got to choose. Like oh shit, who? Yeah, this who do is I? the uh. third one now, right? Because we had. Yeah. Adama during that uh a tribunal the tribunal Make and then Roslyn which she that's right Roslyn when she uh force yes forced I, to move that gun um and now Lee who didn't he really tried to pull something he thought he was gonna get to pull Papa Dama move but nope yeah sorry kid but yeah so the the marine does uh side with uh with Garner and starts to to take Major Adama off the CIC, uh, and the the Pegasus jumps into this uh, combat, and this is when we have the the base stars appear, and the the fight begins. Uh, and at uh, at one point, Lee looks at the Marine that's trying to escort him away. He's like, "I think we have better places to be right now." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Sergeant, I think you have better things to do. And then, you know, in the background, you just hear people screaming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is one of the the more interesting, it's, you know, kind of short because uh, it's like the, the climax of the episode, but one of the more interesting, uh, like, space battles that they have because um, the base stars start out by immediately nuking the shit out of the Pegasus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they waste no time. Yeah. And Garner is kind of paralyzed, like not knowing what to do in command of a, a fight. But meanwhile, like arguing with the repair crews on how best to fix the damage. And this is where we get the, the payoff for uh, what Kitsy pointed out earlier, where, you know, Garner's a, he's an engineer. He's a, he's a repair man. He, he knows his shit down there and didn't belong on, you know, on the CIC, he didn't belong in command. And he's at one point looks at Lee's like, I got to get down there. And Lee's like, 
yeah, you probably should have been <laughs> there to begin well, with. It's, well, it's, he's like, he's on the phone with with the with the guys down there in the engine room, and he's like, "No, just pull it, just pull it. It's fine, just pull it." And and you know, he, he turns leaves like they just don't understand. Like no one understands machines like I do. Like it's very like yes. you know, only I can fix this problem. That's but to so. his credit, he does. Yeah. So he he has down there. You know, tells Adama. He, he, in a quick turnaround from relieving him and having him arrested, he's like, you have the con. And Lee's like, yes, sir. I uh, I have the con. Has Lee the ever con, had the con before? The, the con is had by me, and I am here conning. So, So quick question, uh, number one, what's a con? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's... He's a pilot, and he's like he's been in a leadership role amongst the pilots. But as much as he's spent time on the CIC, he's never been put in a position of commanding a base ship, a uh, battleship, battlestar in in a fucking epic battle, yeah. no less. Yeah, and you know, like he he kind of stumbles his way into it, but then like really formulates a pretty uh, a pretty incredible plan where you know he tells them to essentially like tumble the the ship. Uh, onto its back to keep the the places that have already been heavily damaged away. Tells the uh, the Starbuck and her uh, Viper pilots to protect the the ship's back uh, from the the raiders, and they start like pointing the guns like right at the the central core of one of the base stars, which is a fucking great move because that like is clearly where they're most <laughs> most sensitive. Yeah, <laughs> get that salvo fire. I love it. I love when the the, the battle stars open up their their guns and yeah. just go crazy. <laughs> I love it. So good. I do. I do want to point out though that like turning the ship on its back is not really like you're in space. There is no up or down. So, well, they're doing like they're pointing away from. The fire, so that would make the uh, the enemy ships maneuver around to continue uh, targeting those like kind of more sensitive areas. Yeah, there's no up or down, but there is in I don't know, reference I, I, to I, another object, right? Yeah, no, I, I get that. I just it's I'm being nitpicky about terminology when I you probably shouldn't be because you know what they were in a fucking battle and it wasn't time to debate semantics and the order he gave was clear. So yeah, you know what. I wish he'd said I'll, that and then somebody else had been like, well, hold on, Major <laughs> well, you, Adama, you, you know there is space. no up or down. Hold on, I know we're getting nuked, but <laughs> you do realize that, like, there's no up or down in space, right? So <laughs> getting slightly ahead, I love that that also results in uh, when the Viper pilots come back, they have to come back, uh, as far as the camera's concerned, upside down to fly yeah. into the, the hangar deck. And again, because they're in space, that doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> just fun for us. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So the uh, the commander Garner uh, goes on to assess the damage, and they they do a whole bunch of like pseudo uh, science sci fi tech speak uh, about pressure gauges and hole breaches and and whatnot. And he he gets a, a wrench and a number twelve spanner and seals himself in a hatch where there's a an air leak, and uh, he turns some valves. Yeah, sure does. <laughs> Saves the ship. The first two go go pretty pretty easy, relatively speaking. He's got to struggle with them a little bit, but then that third one, he's got to jam the wrench in there and get the hammer and really start 
fucking pounding it to to get it loose. Uh, but he does. He 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 just there's like a big like red green light over each one, and he just gets the light to turn green, and it kind of flickers back red for a second, and then comes back to green, and it's very dramatic. <laughs> and then he dies. Stops that pressure leak so that he they can you know get the the FTL drives back on and and get the hell out of there. Uh, but you know the the oxygen has all been sucked out of this uh, this room, and rather than opening up the hatch and getting in there and getting him out in, in the brief period of time that the human body can survive in the vacuum of space, I just like well Garner's dead. <laughs> well, okay, but. The thing is, is that the hull is still breached in there. Yeah. So if they open the hatch, they're just sending more people into, uh, like they, like no one would be able to go in and get him and bring him back out without putting on a pressure suit. You know, like the, the, you couldn't, like he's pretty far in there. You couldn't just like reach in and grab him. You know, so sending someone in there would be sending them to their deaths, and there's no point in having more people die. Sending someone there unprotected, yes, absolutely. But like, okay. it's not that they don't have pressure suits or even like a, but a they viper don't. pilot they don't. could have come running down. Well, they, they don't, though, because they he even said, like, do we have breathing equipment? And he says that, you know, it's, it all burnt up in the fire or we used it all fighting the fire or whatever. That like emergency, like rebreathers that they can clamp on and, and use for like short periods of time. Yes. But like they didn't lose their pressure suits or like their entire supply of like emergency oxygen. I mean, it's it's a plot point to to get rid of another bad leader, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and he basically became a martyr to like the fact that he was a, a good engineer and a terrible commander. I get that, but like, I still think that it was it would have been possible to save him. And you know, having an engineer of his caliber stick around, just get demoted, and go back to doing what he loved, would have made sense. It, it would have made sense, but I I I do buy that like. You know, battle stars are fucking big. So by the time they could get to equipment they would need to get him out, I could see that it just wouldn't be viable. Like I, I can buy that. I just use the turbo. Wait, no, that's Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> just fucking beam him out of there. What just the hell? Beam him out. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, we we said this all the way back at the beginning, but like this is one of those situations where like. It's kind of great that they don't have this like super fancy futuristic sci-fi technology yeah. uh, because it, it creates more realistic conflict and mm-hmm. consequences, uh, which, again, I fucking love Star Trek. It's cool. Absolutely. For what it is, but like that technology wouldn't work in this show. Yeah. Uh, so as, uh, the, the Pegasus is able to, to jump away from this battle, this, this mistake, uh, which I think, I think they end up having to leave those two Raptors behind anyway. So like just compounds the mistake. Yeah. To, to, um, to be fair, the windshields were cracked anyway. Yeah. yeah there's no way they could have repaired those. Nope. <laughs> uh, Can't be done. And... Major Adama and uh, Captain Thrace both uh, submit their reports, and they have uh, conflicting of opinions of uh, how much credit to give Garner for the success or failure of this mission. Mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, it's Garner's fucking fault. They're in, they, they, the whole thing happened anyway. Yep. Yes, it is. But on the other hand, he did kind of sacrifice himself to save everyone. No. So, yeah. you know. I, I love this moment. Uh, between uh, yeah. William and Lee, where he's, uh, he says, in your opinion, off the record, 
what was Garner's flaw? And he's like, he was used to working with machines. Command is about people. Uh, and we, we get, uh, you know, Adama, the Adama Sr. saying, you know, this, this was my mistake. I, I promoted Garner, and I'm going to own that. Uh, he says, don't let me fail a second time. Ugh. And hands yeah. in the commander's uh, insignia and gives him control of the Pegasus. Well, even no. even better than that, too, as soon as Lee says, you know, command is about people, Adama says, remember that. Remember that. Yes. Yes. It's such a lovely scene between the two of them. It, it wants you to take command of the beast. He calls it the, the beast. beast. Yeah. <laughs> and can we talk about how Lee got promoted twice in one episode, essentially? <laughs> as yeah. far as we know, yeah. He was a major for like 40 minutes. <laughs> he was literally major for a month. Like. I was like, I feel like I remember Lee being a major for, for longer, but no, it's just it's this episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, so funny. So yeah, Lee's going to be uh, Lee's gonna be in command. Um, but there's... Uh, of the there's, beast. There's one more uh, point to wrap up because you know, uh, Rosalind has just given her... Her speech uh, about criminalizing uh, abortion, and you know the the press is having a field day with that, and you know her her vice president uh, steps in to to help. He's like, you know what, if, if I may. It's true. In light of recent events, the president may have lost support in some quarters. I would ask the people to understand that if this is an extreme decision, we live in extreme times. He's got this great speech going. It's mm-hmm. like, you feel like he's really backing her up and like, <laughs> like you know, we need to, we need to come together on this because it's just, you know, the, this is a hard decision. You know, it's it made with good faith. I, however, cannot with good conscience support it. <laughs> <laughs> and he declares his own presidency. Hard left turn there. Well, hold on. He doesn't declare his presidency. Sorry, he declares candidacy. his candidacy for president. Look, you can't just declare yourself the president. Uh, I mean, could you imagine? Can you imagine if someone did that? Could you imagine if someone uh, just said, "No, I'm the president. Fuck you." <laughs> That'll be an interesting joke in two weeks when this episode comes out. Because who Good fucking knows gosh. what's going to be happening? By then? Yeah, seriously. So, uh, Andrea, any, uh, any yeah. further thoughts? Um, no, <laughs> um, Fair I'm enough. trying to think <laughs> I do. Uh, this is such a tiny little thing, but we've been tracking this all along. So I don't want to skip over it. It's such a little thing, but we get that, um, uh, the Adama's theme when they're, yes. when, oh, yeah, yeah yes. when he's promoting Apollo. And I, now I'm trained to want to cry whenever I hear that. Um, and so immediately it starts and then my heart starts to like to swell and um I, I really love how careful and attentive they are to their sound design that way barry mccurry man he yep. fucking nails it i i that is my favorite piece of music from this show is that theme it's beautiful so this is a moment that i've been looking forward to for uh, for quite some time uh now that uh oh shit are we getting fired oh. <laughs> Kayla's been looking forward to, to that ruin since the, uh, the pilot. <laughs> uh, now that uh, Leah Dama is taking control of the Battlestar Pegasus, it's time for our uh, our first Battlestar Galactica feature film. Yes, which is the 2007 Battlestar Galactica movie Razor, uh, which tells the story of the Battlestar uh, Battlestar Pegasus several months prior to it finding the Galactica. So we get some backstory here. We learn about uh, some Ooh. of the the characters there, and we also get to see 
some of what uh, Lee's first command is like. And so we're, oh, cool. we're looking forward to that. We're going to do a little bit of a, of a crossover with one of our uh, network shows. Uh, we're going to bring in Michael Fight from the Never Heard of It podcast. But not the other guy. Fuck that guy. No, fuck that guy. That guy's an asshole. Um, and uh, you know, we'll, we're, we're looking forward to, to bringing you that one. So uh, make sure you, uh, you check that out. It's going to be a good time. Now, this is going to be fun because have you seen Razor Caleb? I don't think I have. Razor Caleb. That sounds like a cool guy. <laughs> Taser face. <laughs> uh I've never seen Razor either, so this is going to oh. be fun because we are all going to be seeing it for the first time. Oh, fun. Mm-hmm. I do love that. Uh, I know Fight is way ahead of us I th- um, in his watch, but I don't know. Did he watch Razor, do you know, or did he skip it? I don't think he did. I think he skipped uh, I think he's just watching this show. Uh, he's cool. almost done at this point. Like He started out he like, like you, brand new to the show, and uh, he couldn't. He couldn't. Uh, he was not as strong as you to uh, keep... From he watching. said he knows 11 out of 12 Cylons. That's how far in he is. I don't even know what that means at this point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know who they all are. I just don't know the order. That yeah, I can't remember the order in which they're revealed. And yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, that'll be fun. So for, if, for those of you watching along with us, make sure for next week you watch uh, Razor and not the next episode in the series because we will return to the series the following week. So say we all. So say we all. So say we all. Begin jump prep. We're leaving. We'll be back. Start your prep. Set Condition One is a Night Shift Radio production. Visit nightshiftradio.com for more information.